0: Welcome to the PokePress Digest Podcast, a Pokemon news magazine show. Here, you'll find some of the best content offered by our site. For more, visit us at pokepress.blogspot.com. In this single segment episode, Anne from the Podcast helps me discuss the music of the 21st Pokemon movie, The Power of Us. Compare the Japanese song, Breath, to the English version's The Power of Us and wind up talking about some of the musical paths not taken with this film. If you want to know what we thought of the movie itself, be sure to listen to the bonus segment after the outro. Thanks. Hi folks, Steven here. I'm on the phone with Anne from PQP Podcast, and we're doing yet another discussion of music from a Pokemon movie, We've gone a little bit out of order again. We're going to be talking about The Power of Us, the 21st Poké movie that uh, came out technically last year. Uh, We're going to be talking about the end themes, the score, and probably a few other musical elements, and probably some of the movie itself as well. So, as you may know, the discussions here we usually have the Japanese side versus the English side as far as the ending theme goes. Due to some uh, recent events in YouTube history, And stuff like that. We're going to be using something of a euphemism for the Japanese uh, group. We're going to be referring to them as uh, PG for the most part. A little bit ironic there, I suppose. (laughs) not too worried about the channel or anything, but we're just going to be referring to it that way. Uh, But they did a song called Breath for the Japanese version. And then on the English side, we have, well, really three people. We've got uh, Haven Pashal, Charity Gooden. And Ben Dixon are all credited as performing the power of Us the ending theme song for the English version. Um, I have some interesting stuff on charity just because I was fortunate enough to do an interview with her not too long ago um, but first let's talk a little bit about the summary of this movie It's kind of hard to summarize it's uh if you haven't seen it it's it's set in this uh Fula city I think is how it's pronounced roughly speaking and it's Fuda, this- yeah. It's a city that has uh, a wind festival that's going on in tribute to Lugia. And uh, various things happen. There's also a, another Pokemon, Zero, hiding out in the outskirts of the town. And it's really about the, a movie about the town and the people there and sort of its history. And we find out more things about each of the characters. There's a pretty good cast of characters. Ash and Pikachu were there. But this this is very much an ensemble movie, so structurally kind of different from just about anything we've seen before. As far as how we experience this, I think Anne, you and I both saw this uh, during the uh, limited digital engagement back in like late November, early December. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, the limited run through theaters, Fandango events or whatever, <laughs>
0: Yeah, Fathom Events, actually. Oh, is Fathom
1: that. Events. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, they've been doing the last couple here. They did the I Choose You from uh, 2017, mm-hmm. and they did some stuff beforehand. I think they did a reshow in some markets of the uh, the first Pokemon movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back, a ways, ways ago. Yeah. And they did this one. So, good to have a little bit of frame reference. So, I've only seen the English version. and have you seen the Japanese version at all, or...?
1: I have seen a lot of clips um, that have been released through various Japanese media outlets after the movie came out, but I've not been able to, like, see the whole movie yet, so I think it's gonna have to wait for, like, me to order, order the DVD, so. But I've seen, yeah, a lot of the clips of high points of the movie that were airing on, like, TV Asahi and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, as usual, especially in Japan, this movie got a lot of promotion. And I think for, for Fathom Events was a pretty big deal for them, too, in terms of the number of showings and also the number of locations. It's it's on the higher end of what they do.
1: Yeah, it got into like, not just Salt Lake City, but like a little town where I live, like the theater had it there as well. And I was quite surprised that it was getting into all those little theaters.
0: Yeah, we had a bunch of locations, about like twice as many as we did in the uh, previous movie here in the Madison area. They even got to like the uh, the movie theater by the outlet mall in between Madison and Milwaukee. So pretty big uptake on this. In any event, though, let's, let's talk about what we know about kind of the artists. So, Anne, be very careful here. What can you tell me? I'm doing my best. <laughs> we will try to hold ourselves to our own standards. But Anne, what can you tell me about uh, the history of the group we're calling PG for this one?
1: Okay, PG, I've also given them all kinds of strange acronyms in my notes, uh, to be safe. Let's see, uh, they are from the Hiroshima Prefecture. um, And if you've heard me talk about perfume on this show before, they're with the same agency, Amuse Incorporated. So they kind of come from that same area, that kind of the area where the atomic bomb fell on Japan, and it's kind of struggled to become you know a a great place of industry again after that so it's kind of significant that they are from that part of japan the band started out in high school they were comprised of uh a couple members at the time four in particular shindo harauchi okano akihito tama and um harayuchi's unnamed cousin um They used to go by the name No Score, because at the time, none of them could read music. Presumably, they learned how to read music at one point, because they changed their name. Um, The cousin went off to do other things. A few classmates went in and out. And then they went forward as a trio with Haruichi, Akihito, and Tama until 2004, when Tama left the band. Um, And now Haruichi and Akihito continue on as a duo Haruchi plays guitar, Akihito is the vocalist, and Tama played bass while he was with the band. I don't know what the random cousin did. To date, they have eleven albums. Um, Many of their hit singles might be known by you guys uh, listening from United States and other countries. They've gotten to do a lot of stuff for anime like Bleach and uh, Detective Conan, a couple video games and stuff. Let's see, Pogo is a rock band. And they're, it's definitely a rock sound that they have at their core, but they are very musically gifted and like to try new things. So you can often find them deviating slightly from the hard, driven, alternative rock style and kind of, you know, trying some Latin music for a while. Or as you'll see from the discussion about breath, maybe something a bit more jazzy. And I also find that, like, despite being able to do a real hard, serious rock song... They kind of follow the trend of a lot of Japanese music in which, ultimately, it is a lot more upbeat and positive. Haruichi, the guitarist, he is also a lyricist and composer, and he's written a lot of stuff for the band, as well as for other acts, uh, such as Kanjani 8 and Megumi Nakajima, who I think we talked about on the last episode, who's who's the voice of Meloetta. Uh, he also plays guitar for a group called... Um, yota the yota or something so I've, I've not been able to find out a ton of information on that group but that could be worth a listen to see what he does when he's not with pg um and he also owns a massive amount of guitars which for some reason people have aggressively documented so if that is your nerd game you can find out how many guitars he's owned and which live concerts he played them at and which records he recorded with them so it was interesting for a minute but that's not my rabbit hole so, um there this group is still active today. And that is what I have to say about um oh gosh. About PG.
0: I figured someone might uh might slip up there. Although oh, we're sorry. trying not to mention the uh the band by name. Uh, it does derive its name from uh another group. I cannot Recall the name off the top of my head, but they have an album by the same name, and this band—I guess they really like that album. And they said, "Hey, that'd yeah. be a great name for our band." Hasn't worked out too well for us in this discussion. I, th- I think hopefully this well, is one of the
1: googling, googling info on them. You have to be very specific in what you're looking for. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna. This is hopefully the only um, real minefield we have with uh, a band name on on this uh, topic. <laughs> But uh, getting back to to the group, uh, do you have any idea? There are some hints there. You said it talked about Meluetta's Japanese singing voice and some other things like that. Uh, does that sound like that was pretty much how they got involved on this project for this movie?
1: I imagine so. Like, As with many of the Japanese artists that we talk about, probably they were contracted out. But um, what makes uh, PG a little bit distinctive is, is that they have a bit of a history with their tie-in songs. They're they're a very well-known band with their original music, but when they get tied into a project, they seem to go the extra mile to really blend with the the source material that they've been asked to work with. And um, you can see that in a lot of things like Detective Conan, where their, their style will deviate from the core um, so that they can better elevate the project they're working on. And I feel like Compared to a lot of the other songs that I listen to from them, that really is showcased in Pokemon. They are a little bit not off-brand. It's still very much them, but a little bit different, and it feels very Pokemon in, you know, the way that Pogo would sing a Pokemon song. So I think they were definitely chosen for a reason, and there's probably a reason why they were chosen now for, you know, these new crop of movies, these reboot series, rather than you know, movie number X-hundred.
0: Okay, I, I think that's a pretty good overview there. Uh, did they, I guess the one last question I got to ask, did they write this song themselves or was it uh, someone else gave it to them or how, how did that one work out?
1: Um, a bit of a blend. Let me pull that up real quick, sorry. I... Okay, so yes, they composed and wrote it itself. The arrangement and some of the producing was helped by a, another individual called Tasaku, who has done a lot of work with them before, but mainly the lyrics and composing has been done by um, the two of them, with Haruchi on um, lyrics primarily, and then Akihito on music and composition.
0: Not a huge surprise there. Well, no. let's flip over back to the uh, to the English side then. So the power of us, uh, kind of the usual person behind it, Ed Goldfarb did the writing on this one. Uh, the music was uh, performed. Let's see, by Haven Pashal, who you remember did "I Choose You" and is best known for doing Serena's voice in the X and Y generation. Ben Dixon, who has been doing stuff basically since uh, uh, Ed took over in the uh, the the X and Y arc and Gen Six. Charity is perhaps a little bit uh, of an unknown to most of you out there. I assume. But I was very lucky, and I got a chance to interview her not too long after this movie came out. Uh, big thanks to her and to Ed for uh, working through that uh, so we could get this up. I, I like doing that, and there'll be a link in the description to this interview. But anyway, let's see. She is originally from the uh, Washington, D.C. area. She apparently grew up on the uh, the Maryland side of that and uh, she um, performed at uh, various clubs growing up before she was actually uh, old enough to be a customer she's done uh, singing in multiple languages one of those is uh, serbo croatian wow and let's see uh, she seems to have a lot of jazz as well as church choir experience and uh, through through her jazz work she that's how eventually how she ran into ed and that's more or less how she got involved on this project. Uh, she sort of talks about, if you take a look here through the interview, how uh, she ended up singing on it and some other stuff she was aware of and, and things like that, what the recording process was like. And we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit more about that as, as we get into the actual song itself. But that's about where she is. And, of course, you know, this was just a few months ago, so she's still very active as far as I know. And that's most of what I know about Charity and the production of this song. Obviously written for the movie. I'm not sure what else they might have considered. Uh, I guess, suppose, given the title of the movie, the one other possible choice they could have gone with would have been to um, rewrite the ending of the second movie, uh, English Side, to uh, work with this one. But uh, uh, they did write an original song, and that's sort of how that came about. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, go back to the Japanese side. Let's talk about uh, the song that uh, PG uh, provided for this one, uh, "Breath." As far as the overall style, it's well, it's extremely positive sounding. I mean, the the person singing it sounds extremely uh, excited. If you ask <laughs> me, uh, one of the most positive, uh, energetic songs out there. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit like. In some ways, the singing reminds me of the Japanese ending to movie Five Pokemon Heroes, uh, yeah. You're Not Alone, except uh, the tone of the song is actually much more obviously positive than You're Not Alone, which is sort of uh, chaotic. Mm-hmm. Is is that kind of the vibe you got, Anne?
1: Yeah, no, Akihito always sounds like he's screaming whatever he is saying from the rooftops, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a very positive story. And for a movie like with so many themes of wind running through it I expected a song called breath to have a very different like a softer feel than it did but once I kind of got over the surprise like I find that I really kind of got into that groove of it a bit it's very almost jazz like
0: yeah I can't say I dislike the instrumentation myself it was uh, a lot of fun to listen to as, as as well there and Actually, I should point out, if you get the single for this uh, for this movie, it has a couple extra tracks on there. They have pretty good range in that band there, I, I have to say that. But <laughs> getting back to breath, um, lyrically, I looked up a translation, as I usually do for these things. Uh, what's the song talking about?
1: Okay, um, so it's kind of taking the theme of the... M- Title in Japan, which was Minanomodari, Everybody's Story. Um, and breath it kind of expands on that with the idea that no two people have the same voice at, or are on the same path in life. There are positives and negatives to whatever point you are in your journey. And it kind of it, it works around this poetic idea that in a melody, you have notes, but you also have breaths and pauses marked in the music and we are kind of conditioned to view that as a negative like you know the part where you're not singing is not important but the the kind of the point of the song is that you can't have a voice without breathing you can't sing without taking a breath you can't have a melody without you know holding a note and pausing and so you know Calm down and just breathe because there will be ups and downs on your life journey. There will be pauses. There will be moments where you're singing your heart out. There will be moments when your voice is not as strong as you want it to be, but it's all part of your song. And I find like the different ways they're able to kind of weave that metaphor within the one song and also tie it into, you know, the never ending Pokemon theme of traveling on a journey um, is very, very interesting. I I really love the lyrics of this song.
0: Those are some interesting observations, I would say. I don't think I got <laughs> quite that when I was reading the translation on Bulbapedia. I think I noticed more sort of a talking about um, what you can do if you set your mind to it, which maybe that's the sort of the subplot of this song. To me, it actually sounds like um, you know the English song from the first movie soundtrack, Making My Way Any Way That I Can, but from an, a reverse perspective, instead of saying that, you know, they're not going to let anything stop them. Someone is is telling someone that you can do whatever you put your mind to. Is, is that also present? Or did I maybe the oh, translation no, not, isn't?
1: Yeah, you're not imagining that. That's definitely there. Kind of the idea is you can be positive and you can press forward through your dark times and kind of make your way any way that you can because it's not such a big deal. Like if you have a moment where you're a little bit lost on your journey because we all have that is kind of, like I said, that kind of how they weave that metaphor around the metaphor of traveling and making your way is just very poetic and beautiful. But like, I really love there's a section, there's a section here where they talk about like when you're young It's a it's an obstacle because you know you might get lost on the road you don't know where you're going but the benefit of that is you have all the time in the world to you know travel that long road and make mistakes and when you're older it's a different set of obstacles but you have the power of all the wisdom of experience and you can kind of take the shortcuts and you've figured out a few other things about the world so the new things are easier to navigate like the way they work that in with the struggles of a voice starting out and learning to sing. Um, yeah, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that drive forward of, like, I can do this, I can overcome my weaknesses, making my way any way that I can. And, you know, so many times I've played in someone else's game, but, you know, now I'm going to believe in myself and move forward. There's a lot of that driving the song. But yeah, the the way it's expressed, I think, is what makes it stand out.
0: Well, I think there are some, some good clues in there. But, um, uh, sounds like this might apply to uh, at least one of the characters in there, if not several. Uh, what do you think about that?
1: Definitely. It's definitely going with the idea of everybody's story. Like, you know, there's the older people, there's the younger people. Specifically, they talk about that. Um, there's the people who are traveling on the uh, journey, and there's the people who are staying still. The people that don't feel that they can speak out. The people that, like, sato do. Yeah, it could definitely apply to... Very multiple people, like, specifically in terms of, oh, I forget his name, but the scientist who, like, can't talk in meetings, to the old lady who is, like, kind of at the end of her journey in a way, but is able to be of help to the younger people who need her guidance. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Obviously, uh, Risa, our main main guest character, I feel like when watching this movie, that's that's sort of her position in that is also called out in that. But yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. There are definitely threads with a lot of the folks in there. Making my way any way that I can has a longer history than you might be aware of. It doesn't go super far back but the earliest version I found is by Winona Judd, on the soundtrack to the 1996 Whoopi Goldberg business comedy The Associate. The song would then show up on a Marsha Hines album in 1999, which was soon followed by the Billy Piper version you're probably familiar with. Each of these features a different arrangement, but the more electronic instrumentation in Piper's rendition is probably what made it the choice for the Pokémon soundtrack. As for the lyrical content of the song, the theme of strength overcoming adversity results in an experience that I think would have fit in very well on To Be a Master. What's most interesting, however, is the way phrases that were originally intended as metaphors become literal when applied to Pokemon. The source material is a game in which you cross rivers and climb mountains. If you really want to stretch it, there's also references to strength. Not bad for a song that was probably written before the games were even out in Japan. In any event, Feel free to check out those other versions. There's at least one more that I didn't mention. And let us know what you think. Thanks. Okay, well, if we go back over to the English side, The Power of Us definitely has, uh, if you were comparing tone between the two songs, The Power of Us definitely has not laid back, but more subdued uh, instrumentation and vocals and whatnot compared to breath. It's not the uh, all out, uh, this is like the most awesome day ever. But uh, I get the feeling that lyrically it focuses more on uh, Risa's story as it like mentions in the lyrics, it mentions stuff like running and, and things like that. Did you notice that as well, Anne?
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciated the the references specifically to running for for Nisa and Evie. It is definitely the, she is the main one they're calling out, but she also gets kind of like the big moment in the movie. So I, I guess that's appropriate.
0: Yeah, there are also some um, sort of, I had the benefit of, I watched this today on the Pokemon TV app that they, as we're recording this, they just updated that recently and sort of to promote that, they put the, the new movie, The Power of Us on there. As something you can watch, and uh, turn the subtitles on, which seem to be pretty accurate. But I noticed some of the, the the backing vocals that that aren't just you know repeats of what the the regular vocals are, and I assume these are ones that Charity might have might have been the one singing. I don't know if she did the harmony or or what exactly. I have to to listen very closely or reread the uh, interview again, but. Um, it mentions actually a couple things. It mentions uh, cardinal directions: north and south, east and west, sea to sea, um, which I think sort of ties into the uh, the Japanese tale, the Everyone's mm-hmm. Story. And uh, more broadly, the lyrics are about sort of you know having to work together to sometimes fulfill other folks' dreams in order to make sure you achieve your own. Was that also what you got out of there?
1: I didn't, but that's so interesting. Yeah, with um, Risa and and Riku, her little brother. Yeah, that's kind of an interesting turn I didn't expect to take, but that fits really well.
0: Yeah, I think maybe I'm misremembering it a little bit. I listened like uh, three or four times to the song today. Uh, And, of course, I I listened to it back at the um, original showing, so... Not as well ingrained as some of the other songs uh, out there that I've listened to since not as much time has passed. But I I seem to remember that being a large part of the gist there. But yeah, do you think they should have maybe focused more on some of the other characters? Maybe more explicitly on Callahan? You know, the guy who lies to his niece all the time, it seems like. Uh, (laughs) I, I
1: I would have liked, just again with that idea of the power of us, everybody's story... I would have liked a little bit more something to tie it all in, but uh, again, the song is called The Power of Us, so I think, in spirit, it is tying everybody together. But yeah, if they could have found a way to weave in lyrically a few other little nods, that could be interesting, but...
0: I suppose so. I, I, the other way you could write it is maybe about the, the – the, this is the story of uh, Fula City mm. and uh, the city as a whole and its history and uh, what in hindsight the characters realize are kind of a mistake it made uh, regarding you know Zero Aura and some other stuff that they tried to sort of hide away from the general public and they kind of realize realized you know, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. We could have dealt with this better and sooner. And maybe that's another different way you could write the song. I do want to mention one other possibility, of course. As we know, this this movie, in addition to having Lugia, although not as much as some people would have <laughs> liked, um, it does, in the English side, share its title with uh, – well, not share. Is, is not the right word. It has a very similar title to, of course, the second Bogan movie, uh, The Power of One, and now it's The Power of Us. One other possibility way they could have gone with this is they could have – done like a remake of that song, but changed the lyrics to fit this movie uh, specifically, you know, instead of The Power of one, it's The Power of Us and stuff like that. Uh, do you think that would have been a better option, a viable option? Uh, what do you think, Anne?
1: Um, I don't know about necessarily a better option. I am always up for trying trying new things like that. So, and And, you know, since they obviously are pulling for the nostalgia with that title – viable, like, you probably can answer that better than I am, because you know a lot more about where the legalities and the copyrights have gone over the years. But I do think that they were, they have been fighting an uphill battle, especially uh, in the Western part of the franchise to kind of market these reboots as not being like, we're not just redoing the first movie, we're not just rebooting the second movie, like, this is its own story. And they're really going to have trouble with that, I think, for the next one. Um, But I I almost wonder if redoing um, The Power of One kind of would have been one step too far. Because this movie definitely stands on its own. It's its own individual thing. But definitely from a lot of those trailers, it felt a lot like, oh, yeah, this is movie two again. And the kind of was supposed to evoke some of that nostalgia in you in the way that um, I Choose You also did but I think yeah, it might have just pushed it over the edge to have leaned into that one theme song but at the same time, that's a really great theme song.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can think of a a few reasons why it might not work Uh, as far as copyright goes. As far as I know well, back when the second movie came out, there there wasn't really a US branch of the Pokemon Company. So if you look at the liner notes, it says copyright Nintendo of America 2000 for that, and then or 99 for like the stuff from the first movie that is Pokemon owned. I don't know if they transferred those copyrights over in some way or something like that at at any point. Not that I don't think Ed could have managed something like that on his own. I think I would have felt a little more confident if they had brought in one of the original writers of that song to work on this, if they were going to go that route. So either Mark Chait, who, uh, name drop again here, I did get a chance to interview him a number about three years ago um, to to get that information, or Mervyn Warren, the the co-writer on the, The Power of One. I might have felt a little better or a little bit safer if they had brought that in if they were going to go that route, which obviously they didn't. They wrote a new song that is not completely dissimilar in terms of like uh, vocal performance and stuff like that, but is mel- melodically definitely something different. Okay, well, I, I think we can move on to the uh, compare and contrast and decide portion Ooh. of this. <laughs> yeah, totally, as we've mentioned, these are these are relatively different songs, um, Breath is definitely going for a different vibe than Power of Us, uh, definitely there, even though they both apply to the movie. I think they both do a reasonably good job. Yeah. I'm not sure – I think I enjoy listening to Breath. Like it's more definitely more of an earworm with some of the, the vocals there <laughs> than than the Power of Us is – Although I, I, I still kind of feel like – at least maybe it's just the way the, the movie was dubbed or whatever. I think uh, Breath might have been – might be a little too positive, a little too energetic. I, I know that sounds kind of – might sound kind of silly. I mean uh, this isn't like you know movie eight, uh, Lucario and the Mystery of Me where the, the ending of the sequence or the ending of the movie is actually kind of a downer um, because things – Overall end up okay, but one of our main characters is no longer with us, but yet they have that super positive song. This one obviously does have a, a more positive where the, you know, the city is in a better place than it was before all of this. There seem to be too many lasting consequences of the problems they had and stuff like that. But all the same... I almost do kind of feel like the song is, a, the, the breath is a little too positive, hmm. but it works just fine as a song and it has some great tie-ins with the movie. Uh, any thoughts on what I just said there, Anne?
1: I actually had the opposite because um, The Power of Us is a song I like to listen to. It's actually been on my bedtime playlist for the last little while. It, it's There's something about, I don't know, the way they use the synthesizing and... And the vocals that give it that lullaby feel that we've had in a lot of English Pokemon songs, but there's something about it that just feels a little bit modern and fresh and makes it stand out that little bit. So I've been really enjoying listening to it, but the the lyrics of The Power of Us just haven't impressed me so much, and that might be because it's compared to the song by PG, which maybe doesn't hit you in the same way. But for me, I was really struck by the poetry and like the metaphors within metaphors. And I find the way that they're able to do their cover of various Pokemon ideals. And and again, just tying everything back into the idea of breath and the voice to be really quite special. And so to me, I think it it does what I wanted the movie ending theme song to do. It was a tough call, though, because like I said, I, I've been listening to The Power of Us nonstop for a while. But I think I would give it to PG.
0: I thought for a second there you were going to say you were comparing The Power of Us to The Power of One. Which, oh,
1: to, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry. I,
0: to be fair, I don't – although these are both good songs, The Power of One is a hard standard to live up to. It was good. Um, <laughs> I, I could conceivably see us never reaching that pinnacle again. Uh, although, I don't know. When are the next elections in Japan? Do you think mm-hmm. uh, the Breath might make its way into a campaign message there? Please. Um, <laughs> but um, this is a tough decision for me. I, I mean, lyrically, I, I see how Breath fits better, I think, with the movie and maybe covers it more uh, to a greater extent than The Power of Us. Um, but I, like I said, I have the uh, limited Japanese skills, so I can't really appreciate it. I think I'm going to come up with this as being a near tie. Um, I think breath is the more fun one to listen to, <laughs> and The Power of Us has some, some good things, some, some neat instrumentation, and I think is a bit more, in terms of performance quality, a little bit closer to what I would expect it it's, it really depends. I'm thinking maybe Breath edges out the power of us, but I'm glad we have both of these songs. I've, and Indeed, that's yeah. really the best place we can end up in. I always, um, yeah,
1: find it super interesting because, like, when we have these discussions, because on the one hand, we've both stated several times that the lyrics is often what kind of edges a song over for us in whether or not it fits the movie rather than whether or not it's just a good song, because many of these are, you know, great songs on their own. But uh, yeah, it always just interests me just how other people who are not me perceive the lyrics. Again, just because I know that we are both coming at this from two very different perspectives. So it's... Yeah, it, it's always kind of interesting to see how it hits somebody else.
0: I'm thinking of maybe like the ideal thing would be like an acoustic version of breath. Yeah. Um, but that might actually be too subdued as well. <laughs> so I'm not sure where, the, where it all works out to. But I think I will give... Breath, uh, uh the nod here is as maybe the better song, but not by a ton. And, and like I said, neither of these is bad. I'm glad I've heard and listened to both of them, and very glad I got a chance to interview one of the the performers there. So that's always a, a great thing that I love doing.
1: And, and I got a new song for my bedtime playlist, so it all works out really good.
0: Yeah, I think we're I think we're both winners here. <laughs> All right. Well, there are some other musical aspects we need to talk about. Uh, let's let's talk about the score. So here's the part where the score isn't bad. Now, you may remember that for the X and Y movies, as well as I Choose You, uh, there's a little bit of the Japanese score would make it into the English version usually, like Welcome to the World of Pokemon and things like that. But... Um, what would happen this time around is that they decided, um, not sure precisely why, um, and I'm not saying it was a terrible idea or anything, we'll have some things to say there, is they brought over the Japanese score pretty much as is, which, like I said, they haven't done since, uh, I guess, the Genesect movie back during the uh, the Generation 5s. But they did do that this time around. We'll see if that becomes a pattern or if that's a one-off. I suppose I should talk about... Um, You know, I'll mention it again. I'm in the Shinji Miyazaki is overrated, at least for certain parts. He does did a great job in certain movies, like movies Movie Five. The score was ported over from Japan there as well. And you know, he uh, Shinji sort of collaborated with Koba for that one, and that's one of the best Pokemon movie scores ever. And there's great stuff in Movie Nine. There's some great stuff, including Arasian in Movie Ten. After that, I think things sort of trail off, and you know, with, with "I Choose You," I, I I think I enjoyed the dub score more than the original, uh, just kind of in part because I think the uh, the Japanese score for "I Choose You" just repeated seemingly verbatim some of the stuff from the anime, whereas um, I think in this one, um, in uh, "Power of Us," the the score near the beginning of the movie, where, where Ash is in that streetcar or whatever, there's a a great uh, remake, uh, rearrangement of, I believe, the Route 1 theme from the Pokemon games. And if more of the Japanese I Choose You score had been like that, I think I would have liked that score more. But, uh, Anne, I guess, I guess I should ask you, do you have any particular thoughts on th- that particular track?
1: I, I have a couple of thoughts. One, like I agree with you on The Route 1 remix there is really fun. I love it a lot. And as you say, if more of the I Choose You and such were kind of along that vein of, you know, finding creative ways to look at those game tracks, it would have been a deliberate choice. Whereas often, as you say, it it feels like Shinji Miyazaki is just kind of reusing things without a lot of thought and deliberate choice. But I did want to ask you a question with that because we know he collaborated a bit with the Movie 5 soundtrack and the location played a huge part in that. And let's see, in Movie 9, there were one or two interesting um, and different musical tracks. But, you know, the location, again, it was kind of an island. With Oracion, the music was part of the plot. With Movie 2, the music was part of the plot. I'm wondering, do you feel he does better work when he collaborates either with another um, musician or with um, a director-slash-script writer who's um, specifically challenging him to do something with the music that's relevant to the plot instead of saying, like, you know, here's an action scene, score it? Like, do you, if you feel he's works better when he's focused through someone else? <laughs>
0: well, you know, there's probably some truth to that. I mean, if you take a, a you know... Going back to the the power of one to vocal music and stuff like that, it's very common for songwriters to work together. And sometimes one person will write the music, the other person writes the lyrics. Sometimes they work together on both and and things like that. And I I think that often does produce better better work. I was just listening the other day to a podcast uh, that interviews songwriters, and they were interviewing uh, the woman who co-wrote Ain't No Mountain High Enough – with uh, the person who would eventually become uh her husband. Uh so that was kind of an interesting thing there and that's actually very common you know of course we think of folks like uh Rodgers and Hammerstein and stuff like that I hope i said that right i don't remember Stein or Stein there. But um i think it's quite possible that that Shinji it, does better work when he has someone to work with or something to work off of. I think one of the reasons I like that opening redo of Route 1 is, you know, this, this takes place in a city which is ostensibly, at least to me, it looks like it's based off of San Francisco. Uh, I've never been to the city proper. I've been through the airport. Uh, I would have been to the city, but, well, there's a certain Pokemon World Championships that did not work out as well as I'm sure the Pokemon Company would have liked, but um you know it, i i would like the music in this movie to reflect that to a certain extent much as the fifth movie the score there definitely reflected perhaps stereotypically you know um uh, italian or venetian uh styles to some degree at least uh but it definitely had its own sound there and i think that doing something similar here with the rest of the score which some of it is is pretty good but Maybe it's just because I went through the first couple of movies being English dubs with unique scores doesn't fit in quite the way I would like. And do you see what I'm getting at there?
1: I, I do. I very much do. And it, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's just hard to kind of quantify because I have loved a lot of things that he has done. But I also feel he has not done a lot of things that I have loved recently, and yeah, like, I have been starting to theorize, like, he might do his best work when other people or other concepts are pressing on him. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think ain't there's anything I could say better than you just said it. So it's complicated.
0: Indeed it is. I suppose there's one specific score element we definitely need to also talk about because this uses a Japanese score. Yes. One holdover from previous movies, it does use the Japanese version of Lugia's theme from the Japanese version of the second movie, Lugia's Explosive Birth. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not nearly as familiar with that version as I am with the, the English version from Pokemon 2000. Uh and uh i have to say it doesn't uh, doesn't trigger the neurons in my brain the way the the english uh equivalent does um i suppose there's a couple of options first of all Anne, you seem to have more of an attachment to the japanese version of that theme uh do you want to talk about it
1: well i was just going to say like it triggered all my neurons so i guess you know it, it hits you or it doesn't <laughs> but like it was really quite special like even from when the first trailers were coming out to hear that theme and I found it really interesting how they managed to weave um, Lugia's theme, and uh, on, like, the tracks, um, track number 50, like, the wind summoning Lugia, and then um, track one, everyone's story theme, like, I I felt like they did a good idea, a, a good idea, a good way of tying it into that location and the sense of being in a seaside town and the wind, like, there's just so many allusions to wind in this movie, like, I found that very interesting. I, I wouldn't say it stands out any more than the original did when um, Melody was playing on her ocarina, but I found that interesting, and between that and Route 1, though, that's all the interest I have in the score. The rest was just like, oh yeah, that's Team Rocket scheming theme, that's... <laughs>
0: Yeah, it seems like with these newer movies, we generally only get the uh, sort of grandfathered themes from like the first four or so movies. Cause, you know, you remember in the, um, I think you mentioned in our ITC discussion, the Japanese score uses the Entei's theme from the Japanese version of the third movie. Of course, the Zoroark movie has Celebi come back there.
1: Right, right.
0: And, and things of that nature. Now, I suppose if they wanted to, um, still keep most of the Japanese score, but, maybe resonate more with some of the Western audiences, what they could have done is have an alternate version recorded of every time there was Lugia's Japanese theme they could splice in or however they, they could figure out to work in the, the English theme. Do you think that would have been a good idea or?
1: Well, if if it could be done seamlessly, I think it would have been an interesting idea. Like I've been thinking a lot lately and in, kind of researching on scoring and how some of the great composers have looked at scoring as a musical language for telling the story. And at this point, Shinji Miyazaki has built up such a musical vocabulary of themes for all the characters, um, through everything that was done in the anime, everything done in the movies, everything done in the games. I almost feel disappointed that he doesn't do more with that on a subtle level. And and maybe in his mind, he thinks he does. But I, like, as you've said, and as I agree with, like, it's definitely not reading. It just all feels like we're reusing a piece of music. I, I would like to see if not him, maybe whoever's localizing it to America, try to, I don't know, use the history of Pokemon music that we have in a way that makes it feel like it's, it's a choice. It's a deliberate choice to use this piece of music here. And we're going to change the instrumentation for a reason. And we're going to play with this melody or the tempo or something for a reason. Uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think I kind of get what you're saying. I mean, (laughs) this, you know, I can, since we don't have a dub score to work off of, Hmm. we can't really say what that would have been. But I think, Maybe having a brief theme for each of the um, uh, the main characters, for Callahan, for the scientist, for uh, – well, I think they just all call her granny or something like that. But the old lady and maybe the mayor or his daughter and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be as elaborate as, say, you know, the, the, the Lugia's theme from the dub of the second movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that might not have been a, a bad way to go about it, yeah. either in the Japanese side or either in – or in the, if they had decided to do a full on English uh, arrangement you know type thing there, uh, part of me just really wanted to hear the English Lugias theme in this movie, and it's mm-hmm. not there. I'm sure someone will do uh, some sort of splice in there <laughs> too at at some point I, I've heard folks suggest that well, you can try splicing the Japanese score into the English I choose you, and some people also like it better that way and uh, there's, there's a fair bit of taste here, but yeah, the score. I like it better than the Japanese I choose you score, but I'm not I'm not uh ruling out the possibility that had an English score been done by Ed Goldfarb or perhaps in collaboration with someone else, that I might have liked that more. Mm.
1: There were definitely a lot of musical opportunities here that were not taken. And <laughs> when opportunities get abandoned, that's when that's when my disappointment <laughs> settles it does its job, but it's not as special as some other Pokémon music is to us.
0: This Time by Australian rock group NXS has zilts to do with Pokémon, though I suppose you never know what they'll do next with Detective Pikachu. In any case, the song was originally released in 1985 on the Listen Like Thieves album, and would eventually become a single and music video for the band. While the lyrics seem to be referencing a bickering couple, there are some elements that parallel the dynamics of the original traveling group of the Pokemon anime. As Misty and Brock often have differences that seem irreconcilable, leading to a lot of arguing. As for wasting time, they're good at that too. Repeatedly getting lost, taking unplanned detours, and being easily distracted in general. Anyway, if you'd like to explore this April Fool's Day joke further, believe it or not, I had a discussion with Anne from PB Podcast about this very song, and she had some thoughts of her own, so look for a link in the episode description. Thanks. Well, speaking of special Pokémon music, the, there's no opening theme of really any sort here in terms of a vocal song. Uh, for the I Choose You, of course, they brought back on the Jappy side, Aim to be a Pokémon Master, or the you know, Gotta Catch them All, the Pokémon theme on the English side, and... Nothing like that here. Now, given that this is the second movie in this reboot continuity, I suppose the obvious choice would be to do a new arrangement on the Japanese side of Rival, which would have been the Orange Islands theme, even though this, this you know, city is obviously not uh, – well, maybe it's on an island somewhere, but you get the idea. Or And then on the English side to do an arrangement of Pokemon World, mm-hmm. the equivalent English theme think that would have been worthwhile or perhaps enhance some part of the movie or something like that
1: well i'm kind of conflicted because both of those songs would have been i think the wrong choice for this movie but i don't know what else you would pick again being that those were the two that would have gone along with this in the same way that like you know aim to be a pokemon master or the pokemon theme did with i choose you so it Like, I I would have liked them to do something different than what they did, but at the same time, I'm interested that they're trying new things. Like, maybe we don't have to have, you know, the big opening battle number sort of thing. But, yeah, Pokemon World, I just don't know if that, unless you could do a really unique instrumentation, I really don't know if it would fit the vibe of the movie. And Rival, much as I love that song so much, it's so very Ash-specific that I don't think it would have fit the theme that this movie is trying to go for. Um, it, like, it, it would only reflect shades of his story. Like, it wouldn't be able to relate to Risa or to Callahan or anybody. So, I and I would have liked to see them tie in some other songs, maybe, but since they, if those were the two that they had to work with, I, I do feel it was better to make the try of not doing either. I don't know, how, how are you? Were you hoping for a Pokemon world? Remix?
0: Well, it you know, after the original theme, it is one of my favorites uh, in, in sort of the pantheon of English opening themes, Pokemon World. I did actually have a few ideas that might work, but they're different depending on which side. So for Rival, I'll admit I don't have a full understanding of the, the meaning of the Japanese lyrics in there. But Maybe putting that in sort of the the competition where they're running around the town trying to uh, catch Pokemon for that contest type thing, Uh, at least with the title, it makes some sense there to me. And maybe with Pokemon World, maybe what they could have done is similar to I Choose You after the the main song, they do a piano arrangement of uh, the Pokemon theme, and maybe they could have done something similar for Pokemon World here. So, not sure if that how that one might work out there, but those were kind of the ideas I had. Uh, what do you think of those, Anne?
1: Um, well, again, like Pokemon World, there are elements of Rival I think that could work for that scene really well, and and like and still fit the movie. So, again, a very deliberately crafted remix of that I think could yield something fantastic, but. I don't know. I'm not sold on it yet. You'd have to pitch me your demo for me to <laughs> fully be on board. But you you do seem to have a vision, so it it, it could work.
0: <laughs> Maybe I just really enjoy having new uh, renditions of existing themes. I think that's something I'm inclined towards uh, enjoying. That is fair. I mean, I, I obviously, whatever this uh, this next Mewtwo movie is this fall, the CGI movie it looks like, I'm not expecting them to use Pokemon Johto there. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be a very odd choice unless they relocate the setting of the movie, I suppose. Well, um, <laughs> although I, don't, I doubt anyone from there is listening. But if you want to suggest, I've always wanted to hear like a, a mixed uh, gender acapella version of Pokemon Johto. So if anyone is in touch with, I don't know, Pentatonix, that's, <gasps> that would be a fun, fun one there.
1: Oh, what an idea. I like this idea.
0: But, um, yeah, so so no other vocal songs here. We'll have to see what they do with uh, the next movie. If they're really remaking Mewtwo Strikes Back, you know, and, and if they have that scene beginning, people are going to want to hear, uh, I guess, another rendition of, of – aim to be a Pokemon master and and gotta catch them all in there. We're not sure exactly how close they're going to come to recreating that, what kind of liberties they're going to take. That's going to be a whole nother can of worms, I suppose, when we... uh,
1: Yeah. Early trailers lie. Maybe it's actually about Jirachi.
0: You never know. (laughs) Well, we'll know more in a few months as far as that one. And and by the way, uh, if you're curious, we also intend to do an episode discussing the music of the Detective Pikachu movie. Uh, There'll be plenty of (laughs) Podcasts uh talking about the movie i 'm sure, but uh, we tend to do a discussion of whatever music they end up uh, putting in there. It may be structured very differently, but we want to do that as well so um i don 't have any direct feedback from our listeners on this one in part because i I just didn't get a chance to put out an ask video. However, when the movie originally came out uh, in English at the end of November. I did make a point to grab some uh, Twitter posts from various folks about the music. Let's see, I've got this one from Kirsty Marie. She said that, uh, loved the song at the credits, and Legendary was awesome. Talked about sort of the mix of emotions in this movie. Let's see, I have another one from a few, about a month before the movie came out. This was Benjamin Lugia V., who hoped there was a remastered version of Lugia's song, which I have the feeling he meant the English one, not the Japanese one. Um, well, <laughs> you,
1: yeah, apparently you can splice it in. So.
0: I, I'm sure some folks will try that. Let's see. Uh well-known Pokemon personality. I, I forget she has a, a YouTube channel or what, but Jolteon Jordan. Uh, appreciated them using the Japanese score, but said that wasn't the only reason she liked the movie, Um, like the the way the script was handled. Seems to be a big deal to her. However, one thing that was important is she pointed me to, apparently Ed has worked with Lugia's theme at some point, because at one point when they put uh, the second movie on Pokemon TV, uh, as they usually rotate movies in and out there, um, Ed had to do a trailer where he had to uh, compose some additional music, including a, a version of Lugia's theme. And it doesn't. Well, I'd, I'd like to say that actually in that trailer, there is uh, one of Articuno's screeches overlaps the the, the new music, that uh, the new rendition of Lugia's theme that's in that trailer towards the beginning. And uh, not at a great time, it creates kind of a discordant thing. Um, not sure what time constraint he might have been under there, or uh, if he really does have uh, had difficulty working with that theme for some reason. Voltion huh. um, Jordan did say that, yeah, I, that's uh, that's a you know the English uh, Lugia theme. That might have been nice if they had been able to put that in there. So, not completely opposed to that. Let's see, uh, J Doe uh, John Doe stuff. J-D-O-E-S-S-T-U-F-F uh, thought the movie was really good, but the soundtrack didn't seem to, to care f- for uh, – well, it didn't, it didn't hate it, it seems like. It says it was good. I don't know. It's kind of a complex opinion that I'm not sure I can describe adequately there. But those are, that's kind of a smattering of things on the music. Uh, I'll try to put a link to this uh, Twitter moment that I have in here. Um, and if you have any comments, go ahead and on this or any of the other movies, go ahead and put that in.
1: Complex feelings are good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, we got a comment on one of our previous, this is on the Victini discussion. We had talked there about how there are two different scores by two different people. So, Filippio uh, Depo, uh, uh, or Depo, I'm not sure precisely. This is a, uh, let's see, this this individual uh, let us know that apparently for the black movie, the restaurant movie, uh, Shinji Miyazaki was more involved there, apparently.
1: Oh, really?
0: Um, So that's probably why it sounds more like a traditional Pokemon score there. Uh, I won't read the full text here, but if you dig through that episode, it is all in there. Uh, Filippo does do a shout-out to a website that I really like, too. It's called the Video Game Music Database, and what they do is they sort of catalog soundtrack releases and stuff like that and try to look up all the information they can and and things of that nature. And I do use that a, a fair bit to research like, for my uh, radio show that I do at the Low Power FM station here in Madison, 8 to 64, plug, uh, that I do try to find stuff if I'm looking for a particular game. I tried to find a commercially released soundtrack because those are usually the best quality. And uh, I've used that website to try and track down and also to see what's, what's been released recently uh, as far as soundtracks and things like that to get uh, stuff for that show. So, uh, yeah, but like I said, if you have a comment on this or any other pokemon movie that we discuss or will be discussing that's uh we always appreciate that those are some of the best parts of what we do with this
1: mm-hmm. yeah getting to hear just how the music is affecting other people and getting to share that love or hate
0: <laughs> okay well i think that's that's a pretty good discussion uh, any other musical aspects you thought we should discuss here Anne?
1: Well, you know, there's not a Pikachu short. There's not a lot of other tie-ins with this I yeah, I I think there's weren't even a ton of like remixes of the single. So, I think yeah, this is one of the shorter or or maybe more compact episodes. There weren't a lot of threads to go chasing.
0: Well, we mentioned that our previous episode, which, like I said, I haven't gotten out on the feed yet, uh, was talking about the Caldeo movie. And we took a little detour to talk about The Power of Us. But next time, we'll be doing the last of the black and white movies. There's only really three of them, unless you count the Victini movie twice, which I guess there's a case for <laughs> you, that. <but> you can't. <laughs> it is the third black and white movie. And speaking of Mewtwo, it is Genesect and the Legend Awakened. And uh, as usual we'll be talking about the uh, Japanese versus English matchup and the uh I remember the name of the the song, but you can probably describe the uh the artist and whatnot a little bit better than I can. Who's the who is the Japanese ending theme song performer for uh, Genesect and the Legends Awakened?
1: Shoot, I have already forgotten. Hang on. Oh, it's um and they are performing Egao or Smiling Face.
0: Yeah, the title there is a lot easier to remember. On the English yeah. side, we have Jess Domain, not to be confused with Jess Turner, who did the, uh, the Keldio movie, anything song, but uh, Jess Domain wrote and performs We're Coming Home. So, uh, kind of a different story behind that one. I was Another one I got a chance to interview, and she actually did a whole video where she sort of talked about sort of the genesis of that song in itself, and, well... And this is one that uh, maybe for the first time in a while doesn't tie directly into the the movie, but still wound up there. So that's going to be a pretty interesting discussion, I think. But uh, until then, Anne, thank you very much for being on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: This has been Stephen Reich. All right, folks, thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the PokePress Digest podcast. We'd appreciate if you rate or review us on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to find more of our great content, visit our website at pokepress.blogspot.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to pokepress at gmail.com or follow at PokePress on Twitter. One thing we like to do with these movies is talk a little bit about the movie itself and what our impressions are. I, I think... There are some folks who are in, kind of indifferent to this movie and some folks who, well, I, I always remember the the right after it came out, I listened to the, the, the Pokéon podcast, you know, the the folks, well, it's based out of Milwaukee with Steve Black Jr. and whatnot, and they were, they didn't think it was awful. Like, uh, their least favorite movie up to this point, or at least Steve's uh, least favorite movie was the Magearna movie, which I kind of agree is kind of the... Nadir. Nadir, uh, maybe not the absolute Nadir, but definitely one of the, the worst <laughs> Pokemon movies. Not that I hate it or regret watching it, but don't feel a great need to see that one mm-hmm. too often again. This one, on the other hand, a lot of positive feedback on that. Overall, I do think this is one of the better ones. I think uh, the movie, it's, uh, its English namesake, The Power of One, is still probably my favorite. I think I like that one. I think I enjoy some of the pacing a little bit more. Uh, in that one, in the music and the score and the soundtrack to Pokemon Two Thousand is definitely you know several steps ahead of of this one, <laughs> but um, as far as the movie itself, uh, I like the characters. I think they could have trimmed down a, those a little bit like I think they could have made the uh, the poachers or whatever a little less of a factor and like maybe not introduced them at all until that one scene or even written them out entirely but overall, I think the the movie is a lot of fun. Uh, I think the best parts are you know, definitely towards the beginning and towards the end. Uh, Anne, do you want to summarize your thoughts on it?
1: <laughs> well, I, I definitely do think I'm looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Um, I'm not going to get into it here, but like I've been dealing with some things lately. And when that movie came out, it was like the one bright spot of my life. So in my mind, it can do no wrong. Like I felt happy for a second. But that movie, there is such... Um, a feeling of joy and empowerment and it's okay to be afraid as long as you keep trying to take steps forward until you're running again. So I I felt, I don't know, I left the theater feeling very positive and like it was all going to be okay in the future. And I also like thinking about it more critically over time, like I've started to notice the little things that were not in with the rose-colored glasses view. But overall, I think for a Pokemon movie, this was... You can tell that there was a different screenwriter and a different director and that different people came together to work on this, a a different animation studio even. There's something that's very refreshing about it and a lot more complex and nuanced than some of the past Pokemon movies have been. And they treated the ensemble nature of the cast in a way that made it work... They've made Team Rocket work in that movie. They've made Ash work in that movie, in a way, without him being the center of it. So I was very impressed by the direction this movie has taken.
0: I do think that there are folks who are maybe overcritical of movies these days. Like, they go in with a certain opinion, and they try to find little things that are wrong here or there. It's interesting. People almost never try to find things, well... Uh, Maybe not almost never but uh, try to figure out how things work like you think well gee if this is a modern city don't they have lots of cameras around the area and uh, like so wouldn't they have caught the vandals or something like that. But uh, then again, if we find out later that uh, Margot, the mayor's daughter, maybe she has some sort of information or she knows where some of the blind spots are in some of the the, the spaces down there because she's the mayor's daughter and overheard or knows someone at like the police department or something, you know, their kid or something like that. I'll buy it. So <laughs> I'm willing to overlook a few of those things. The, the movie does not have to l- explain every little thing that mm. is going right. on in there. You can have a little bit of an imagination with these things, especially – like this, but definitely one of the better movies. And I'm not sure if I like. I said it's not my favorite because I think that's going to be 2000 for a very long time, <laughs> if not forever. Um, but that's sort of the the long and short of of sort of my opinion there. I guess I should ask, uh, do you like this more or less than I choose you?
1: More by a
0: long shot. Really? I mean, you, you liked I choose you, didn't I you? I did
1: like it, but. Yeah, I liked it in the way that I like a lot of other Pokemon movies, where, like, like it really, it was really important to me at the time, and there was a lot of nostalgia and stuff, but I don't feel that, and I Choose You brought a lot of interesting things, but again, with it not being canon and me, you know, holding that very close to my heart, like, it's hard for me to get as invested in Ash's character, so with this movie where I could get invested in everybody meant a lot more to me, so... And it's held up a lot longer. Hmm. It's hard to explain, but yeah, no, I I like this movie quite a bit more. But that's more personal taste, maybe than than its actual quality. Although I do think it is better made.
0: I suppose. I mean, I I I think I might like this movie more than I choose you. It's a little hard. I mean, the ways in which they are. Like, they're not as directly comparable as maybe some other things are. So Mm -hmm. they do things somewhat differently in terms of, you know, this one is all set around one particular city versus I Choose You, which is a big, long journey. Um,
1: I would be very interested in, in continuing this reboot series if they continue to go somewhere radically different with each movie. Like, in the way that I Choose You was similar themes but a different take on it and then this movie was some things that they've never been able to pull off before now they've they've done really well I would love it if you know the third movie in this little series like also just decided to swing big for a different concept entirely like and if every time we got something different that you couldn't compare really but you got to have a new experience every time
0: I suppose so. Like I said, we don't know a ton about this Falls movie, whether it's a <laughs> separate chronology, if they're just moving when, the you know, that comes into later, I guess, in Ash's career, if that's the same yeah. thing. I do wonder if doing the CGI thing, if maybe part of that is, say, if Detective Pikachu does really well if maybe they are hoping to get, like, a full theatrical release rather than just a digital event or something like that, and they think that's easier to do with a CGI movie than with a um, a hand-drawn animation.
1: Yeah, who knows? <laughs> like, def- definitely overseas, I think, they would have more success, but at the same time, in Japan itself, where they primary, primarily focus on that audience for their anime movies like anime is such a a big medium over there already so i don't know yeah like i don't know if it would matter inside japan like the anime hand-drawn style might do better actually but yeah overseas i don't know (laughs) we'll have to see how this goes
0: (laughs) i suppose since we're streaming this live i guess we should i should ask uh so you mentioned that uh, Risa has a little brother who is in the hospital with, I guess, a broken leg or something like that for the course of the movie. And uh, spoiler alert, I would hope you've seen the movie by, before you actually watch our discussion here. Uh, we find out at the very end in a post-credit sequence that he's uh, actually the guy we've been seeing running like the, the – well, there's no YouTube in the Pokemon universe, but you the get the idea yeah. he's a, a, a vlogger. <laughs> And, uh, he's been reporting from his hospital bed, um, which isn't such a terrible thing until you realize that apparently he's put some sort of back door onto, uh, Reese's cell phone, her smartphone, so that he can grab pictures from there and track where she is. <laughs> um, not the worst or most, uh, scary use of a back door on a cell phone, but, uh, and do you have any thoughts on that one?:
1: I feel like this is something Max might have done if, given the opportunity. but yeah, like I don't know what to make of it. like, little brothers, man, what are you gonna do? he's He's got some skills, and maybe he should have told her about
0: those skills before doing that to her. but who knows what she might have gotten up to?